Hey, what's going on? Season two is officially begun of the Barbells and Burgers podcast. This is episode one, and we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, but we're not going to be talking about them the way that you're used to hearing about them. And I'm going to help steer you in the right direction. So this is the last year that you get stuck with New Year's resolutions. Okay, so before we go any further, I haven't done an episode in a long time. Uh, I can't even remember the last episode that I did, but I decided that because it's been so long, I might as well just start a new season of the podcast because a lot has happened since the last episode that I did. Um, I quit my job at the gym. I wasn't happy there. I, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And so I decided to basically just go off on my own and do whatever I can online. And then to sort of still make money in other ways. I got a different job and that one's seasonal. So now I'm finding an, a more permanent job. And so it's been a very interesting uh, last couple of months in my life anyway. And um, I've also started a completely new uh, fitness challenge that actually became really popular really fast that I, I didn't have any idea that that was going to happen. Um, I've started a membership website. Um, it, it, there's just been a lot of stuff that's been going on. And uh, so it's been really... It's been a lot of fun and a lot of hard work, but it's the kind of hard work that you enjoy because I feel like I'm making a difference. I feel like I'm actually building something because it's my own product. It's my own philosophy. It's everything that I believe that I've learned. It's 15 plus years of research and trial and error, uh, finally kind of coming together in a couple of different uh, pieces of material. So like I've created three new eBooks as a result of the Simple 60 Challenge, which originally just was just gonna be a challenge. Uh, and I was brainstorming what those habits should be, and then that turned into three separate manuals that um, are mindset, fitness, and nutrition related that are essentially all of my knowledge and information and trial and error over the last couple of years. So it's been really, really interesting. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'll be talking more about the Simple 60 Challenge and the Simple 60 mem membership. Uh, later on throughout more episodes of the podcast. Um, I still don't know what my podcast schedule is going to be like simply because, um, you know, trying to find a full-time job obviously keeps uh, the time that I can commit to my online uh, training job a little bit smaller. So I have to prioritize. And um, as much as I love doing the podcast, it certainly doesn't come before clients and making sure they're taken care of. So um, I'm not really sure where this is going to you know, what the schedule is going to look like, but for now, I'm just trying to get episodes in whenever I can. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's topic, which is going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. And at the recording of this episode, um, it is uh, January 6th. And so um, if you haven't started New Year's resolutions as of Monday, or maybe you have, but you're sort of just doing the same old thing you used to do, this podcast episode will be very helpful for you. All right, so... Um, I think probably the best place to start is understanding that most information on how to set yourself up to lose weight or to change, you know, anything about your health for the better is often misguided and misunderstood and those expectations aren't realistic. All right. So let's go ahead and start with weight loss, real, realistic weight loss expectations. Um, I was in line at the grocery store the other day and it was a really long line and I was thinking like, you know, I hate waiting in grocery store lines. Um, but other than that, I started looking around and I noticed on the magazine section of the checkout line that there was this uh, brightly colored, 
yellow with, I forget what the font was or whatever, but it was one of those magazines that you see that's advertising weight loss and all that kind of stuff. So I picked it up and I was so like shocked at what it was saying that I actually took a picture of it and I made an entire TikTok video over it. Um, but essentially it was saying lose 19 pounds in a week. And when I read, first read that, I was just laughing. And I don't remember if I was like physically laughing in the sense that like other people could see me or if I was just laughing in my head. Um, but I, I was just so, it's been so long since I've been affected by that sort of message. So just so you know, 19 pounds in a week um, is one, not realistic. And two, only possible if you're either cutting off a limb or you're starving yourself by only like drinking tea and coffee and not actually eating. And even then, I don't think that's, it's possible. You'd have to weigh, you'd have to be very, very overweight uh, to make that actual, you know, actually happen. And even if it did happen from a pure weight standpoint, it would never be something you could sustain. So it got me thinking about New Year's resolutions and how a lot of these messages are getting out to people. And I just want you to know what realistic weight loss expectations are. I think that's that's probably a good place to start. Um, okay, so when the science has been done on sustainable fat loss, meaning that you're losing weight at a rate that actually is more likely to be body fat than just pure water loss, because you you know you can lose fat and water you know pretty quickly if you just starve yourself and uh, you know don't eat anything. So you know yeah, 19 pounds might be possible if you're you know not looking for sustainable results, but if you actually want to lose weight and keep it off. The realistic weight loss expectations is anywhere between 0.5% of body weight and 1.5% of body weight per week. So to keep this really nice and round and easy to calculate, if I weighed 200 pounds, then I could be expected to lose anywhere between one to three pounds a week. And that's realistic. So that means that at the most, I'm losing 12 pounds a month. At the least, I'm losing four pounds a month. That still doesn't even get close to what that expectation had put on that magazine. Um, so, you know, I actually, I think I did the math the other day and I was trying to figure out, okay, well, how much would you have to weigh to lose 19 pounds in, uh, you know, a week? And I think it was like 350 pounds. It might've been more than that. And there are plenty of people out there that weigh 350 pounds or more. And so to them, it might be very realistic, but to the vast majority of people, that's not a realistic way and a sustainable way to lose fat. I honestly think that if you can't maintain the, the methods that you choose to lose weight, then you, you're not, you shouldn't bother even practicing those methods. There's no reason to do a cleanse. There's no reason to do a detox. There's no reason to starve yourself to simply lose weight. That's going to come back on very quickly. Uh, and a lot of times these sorts of methods are really exciting because if you don't know any better, losing 19 pounds in a week sounds awesome, right? If you're overweight, being able to lose 19 pounds will make you feel very good. And that's sort of what these marketers are attacking is how it makes you feel. They don't care that it's not realistic. They don't care that it's not something that's going to last. They don't care that um, you're going to do it and then you're going to gain that weight back because their whole marketing ploy is to get you to buy the product multiple times or to at least buy it once. If they can get, you know, half a million people to buy at once, that's $500,000. I mean, that's quite a bit of money, at least to me. So again, it's one of those things where 
because they don't have to prove what they're saying is true, they can get away with saying anything, which is why I don't recommend listening to anyone that isn't science-based, because you're just going to get some sort of arbitrary, I hope this works sort of answer, uh, instead of, you know, having actual science-based expectations. The other reason that's important is because you want to know going in that you're putting in the work and getting the result that's expected. I, I, I don't shame people for wanting to lose 19 pounds a week. I would want to do that if I had such, you know, so much weight on my body that I was just trying to lose it as fast as I could. But I would also want to know what, what's like to be expected and what's realistic so that when I'm setting myself up to work on my fitness and nutrition habits, that I'm not doing so in shooting myself in the foot in the long run. And um, sometimes you have to think about the long run in order to make decisions, right? If I, if I want to do something that's good for my health, you know, 40 years from now, I need to make good decisions now. I don't have to be, you know, militant about it, but I need to make good decisions. I need to stop, you know, spending every night, you know, eating tons of junk food or not eating any vegetables or protein and just sort of eating a fast food diet. I mean, that's, we already know what the end result of that is. So having realistic weight loss expectations is super important. And if it's discouraging or disheartening to you to, you know, have those percentages be the realistic amount, then you're just used to, you know, the common uh, brainwashing of the weight loss industry telling you things that aren't true, but you're used to hearing. And so they've become your truth. I'm here to break that and let you know that there's there's nothing wrong with only losing half a pound to 1.5 pounds a week if that's the most that you can lose based on your current body weight and body fat percentage and all that stuff. I think what it automatically also makes you do is realize that this is a long journey. And if you're going to make something, if you're going to have to do something that takes a long time, it's probably a good idea not to make it miserable every single day. Um, there might be days where you're like, I'm really not in the mood for vegetables. I mean, I get that. There's plenty of days like that for me. Um, but you shouldn't feel like you're starving yourself or you're depriving yourself so much of the foods that you enjoy. Or maybe you're just out exercising everything that you eat because you're afraid that you're going to overeat. I mean, there's lots of psychological, you know, uh, you know, thoughts that we can have that are, are not rooted necessarily in truth, or maybe they're rooted in something we thought was truth or we heard, you know, some other expert talk about, but, you know, you got to make it something that you enjoy, which is why it's so important that you keep your favorite foods this new year. All right. Don't go on a diet that takes out all the sugar in your life, all the fruit in your life, because it has sugar, all the carbs in your life. Don't do a workout program that demands, you know, an, an hour and a half to two hours of workout five days a week. How many times are you going to do that before you realize that just doesn't work? It's not, it, you're not the problem. It's your approach. All right. So, and some people are their biggest enemy. I mean, that's, I think it's true for everyone to a certain extent. But if you're putting in the hard work and you're not getting the results that you either think that you should be getting or that you've been lied to about, then you need to do two things. You need to reevaluate your expectations to align with science. And you also need to reevaluate your hard work. Are you really working as hard as you can? Are you working too hard? Are you making, are you going far and beyond what you actually need to do and then burning out too soon into the process? That's a very realistic thing. I saw that all the time at the gym that I worked at. People would come up to me and be like, I'm going to work out five days this week. And after a while, I just started making bets with people. I'm like, no, you're not. I bet you won't even come in four days this week. And I won like 98% of the time. 
And anyone that came in past my betting number was usually just trying to prove me wrong or didn't want to lose the money that I bet them. But my point was, is that I could pretty much guarantee that if you were going to do a certain type of workout with a certain amount of intensity and you were going to try to do it five times a week, you wouldn't make it. Not because you're a weak person or because you're, you know, you're, you give up, but because it's just, it's, it's not smart, right? It's, it's like me gambling, you know, half of my savings for an entire week. It's like, that's stupid. That's not a good idea at all. Um, what's better to do is come in with a certain amount, get it done and, and get out, right? Come in, do your workout, modulate your workout intensity throughout the week, set yourself up so that one day you're doing a high intensity exercise, you know, th- something like high intensity interval training, um, or, or weightlifting, you know, where you're pushing a lot of weight and you're, you're getting lots of reps and, or maybe you're doing heavy strength training, but you modulate them, right? You don't go like heavy, two heavy days back to back, unless you're very well trained, you certainly never do three heavy days back to back. You make sure you get enough steps, you can do enough low intensity type exercise. And these things are going to help make consistency so much easier because you're you're appropriately making the workout intense followed by a less intense version so that you still keep your calorie burned per day up, but you don't burn out so that you end up like only lasting two weeks and then having to like stop for two weeks because you're you're so sore you can barely walk and you just hate your life because you're drained completely of all energy. So those are probably my three most important pieces of advice is have realistic weight loss expectations and then you know, make sure that you're managing your your calorie output or your exercise in a way that allows for sustainability. And then don't over restrict calories or, you know, take out your favorite foods because some diet plan that's, you know, maybe it's keto or maybe it's the no sugar 28 cleanse or whatever bullshit it's out there. There's no reason to do that. I had somebody actually ask me the other day, should I do this 28 uh, day uh, sugar detox? And I was like, why? And they're like, well, I want to lose weight. And I'm like, well, you can lose weight without cutting out sugar. And they're like, yeah, but... I just, I'm going to do it. I'm like, okay, like I'm not your mom. You can go and do whatever you want. And they came out of it telling me that they really didn't like, they lost weight, but they didn't really like get anything out of it. Cause you know, two months later they just gained the weight back. Um, they did tell me though, that it taught them they were eating too much sugar. And I was like, well, I could have fucking told you that for free. Like when you cut out sugar, it's not that you're like, detoxing your body of of toxins or sugar it's that you're eating less calories unless you replace the calories you were eating with sugar or from sugar with something else any in an equal way you're going to create a calorie deficit just from that and very few things can compete with sugar in terms of the ease in which you can overconsume them maybe things like tortilla chips and things that are salty and like crunchy are can compete but you know, usually when you're trying to cut out sugar, you're also trying to be smart about, you know, all the other quote unquote processed junk food that you're eating. So you naturally eat less calories. And unfortunately, most people eat way less than they need to on these sugar detoxes or these, you know, fad diets. And uh, when I work with clients and, and, uh, you know, I see, okay, how many calories are you eating? They're like, oh, I'm eating, you know, they track it or whatever. They're eating 1900 calories. Let's say I'm like, okay, let's go down to, you know, 1650 or 1700. And they're like, really? Like, yeah, they're like, I don't even feel like I'm eating less calories. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Because you're so used to going from what you normally eat when you're not paying attention to like eating some kind of fad diet meal plan or whatever. And 
the amount of calories that you cut out without really knowing it is going to probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of five to 800 calories. Because when you eliminate all the sugar, all the, you know, processed food, that's probably like five or 600 calories that you're not eating anymore. And, you know, they, you might get quick results from that, but what happens when you have no idea what to do when you're off that plan, right? You can't do plans like that forever. You can't do sugar detoxes forever, right? You're going to go back to eating sugar at some point. Um, one of my philosophies is instead of trying to run away from something that's causing you a problem, when you try to figure out how to defeat it, right? You might lose a couple of times trying to defeat it, uh, but at least you're facing it head on and you're learning more about it. And eventually you'll be able to learn how to defeat that, you know, hang up that you have. Uh, my big hang up was, was with my, uh, self image. I, I was constantly trying to get leaner and leaner to feel worthy of, you know, I feel worth what I thought I was worth. And, uh, that's a long story I, I've already explained in season one, but you know, when I, when I gave, when I finally gave that up, I realized I was one, I was happier. And two, I, it didn't mean anything like people didn't value because I was, you know, 11% body fat. They liked me cause I was Shane Hubbard. I was who I am. I have a you know specific type of humor. I, you know, communicate things in a certain way. I I'm helpful. I, I'm a bit of an asshole. I can be certainly, especially if I'm your coach, like if you're whining and complaining and playing the victim, I'm going to slap you in the fucking face, you know, theoretically, like I'm not actually going to slap you, but my point is, is I'm going to wake you up and realize, help you realize you're not a victim. You're not pathetic. You just need to stop complaining and do some shit and, and, you know, get to it. Um, but anyway, my body image was not why people liked me. And I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out, but you know, after a while I realized, you know, fuck it is, I mean, I'm not going to just give up completely, but I don't need to be 11% body fat. If it takes all this extra effort that I rather put towards something else like my business or my family or learning a new skill or something like that. So, um, anyway, one thing I did want to say in regards to weight loss expectations, if you figure out what your weight loss expectations are and you're, they're realistic and they follow science and let's use the 200 pound example, by the way, and you, you know that your, your average is going to be between one and three pounds and maybe you lose one pound and then maybe you lose another pound and you lose another pound and you're still not feeling that great about it, right? Because you still have this like constant thought in your head that you need to be losing more weight. What I really recommend that you do is I would recommend that you stop giving the scale all the power for your progress, and instead, look for non-scale victories that you're making along the way. Paying attention only to what the scale says is going to blind you to all the other improvements that you're making in your life, whether it's your sleep, your energy, your mood, if it's how you move and your ability to function and lift more weights, or um, like the other day, a client hit me up and they said, um, God, what did they say? I forgot exactly how it went, but essentially she was telling me that it was something that she couldn't do six months ago. And... Now she could, oh, it was gardening. So she was, for whatever reason, she was uh, digging things up and putting them in a bucket and then carrying it. And she used to have to put the bucket down because she had to, to walk a long way to dump it. And she used to have to put the bucket down a couple of different times on the way because her grip strength just wasn't that great. The other day, she wasn't even paying attention to it, but the other day she took that bucket and she walked the distance that she normally walked and dumped it. And on her way back when it was empty, she realized, holy crap, I didn't have to stop like four times because it was too heavy. My grip strength wasn't that good. 
I was able to carry it all the way to where I needed to dump the dirt and, and back in one, like I just, I didn't have to put it down. And that might not mean a lot to you because there might not be things in your life that you do that very frequently. But my point is, is that there's going to be a lot of things that improve that don't aren't reflected on the scale. And it's very important to not only pay attention to those, but it's very important to give those uh, merit, give those value, because those are the things that are actually going to manifest themselves more often than simply what your scale weight says. If you weighed your goal weight, but you were miserable, you were weak, you didn't get to eat your favorite foods, you didn't get to eat hardly any food, your quality of life is naturally going to suck ass. So if you want to weigh a certain weight, but you don't care about your quality of life, you need to see a eating specialist. You need to go see a disordered eating specialist because I can no longer help you. That's all in your head. That's way you know down the line that I'm not qualified to talk about. But if you're the kind of person that realizes that regardless of what your weight is, and I'm not saying that you can be 375 pounds and, and be like extremely healthy. There's a good chance that you're overly fat at that point. But if your goal weight is 165 as a woman, let's say, and you're at 170 and you know that like in the back of your mind, you don't feel like you've accomplished what you wanted to accomplish by weighing 165, but your life is you know, dramatically improved being at 170 because you're stronger, you have more muscle, you're able to eat your favorite foods, you're not struggling with sleep or you know, depression or lack of energy. Those extra five pounds don't mean jack shit. And you only really understand that when you've gone through that process. I can sit here and tell you that all day long, but you're really only going to believe it once you go through that process and you realize, you know what, within reason, my weight doesn't have to be what my goal weight originally was. Because there's a good chance, by the way, that your goal weight was just an estimation that you thought was going to be a good position. If science came out and, and told you, oh, your ideal goal weight would be 170, you'd be like, oh, well, that makes sense. I feel really good at 170. I'm strong at 170. I can eat the amount of calories I need to fuel my exercise at 170. So your body sort of regulates itself at a body weight that helps you optimize the things that you want to do in the gym or with your life or with your amount of muscle mass. So don't worry so much about your weight, all right? Focus on your quality of life. Focus on your strength in the gym. Focus on your ability to function and have, you know, fun and sleep good and eat, you know, high quality food that's also delicious and all the other things that are important, not the scale. All right. So that's today's episode. Thanks a ton for listening. Um, by the way, if you want to sign up for the Simple 60 Challenge, you can go to my website and just um, click on Simple 60. You can start the challenge for yourself whenever you'd like. If you want to be a part of the Simple 60 membership, you don't necessarily have to do the challenge to be a part of the membership, but they sort of worked well together, and it's uh, it's a really, really, really cool um, uh, membership that I'm more than excited to uh, finally announce. But you can go to Simple 60 membership, uh, or not .com, but you can go to my website and type in Simple 60 uh, membership, and you'll check it out, and you can read all about it. And there's even a video showing you what it looks like behind the scenes. So you know exactly what you're getting as a part of the membership. So anyway, I'll leave you to that. I don't want to talk your ear off about the membership just yet because we'll definitely get to that uh, throughout time. But uh, thanks for listening to this new episode of season two. I look forward to talking to you again and have a great rest of your day.